Good morning. Please join me in our responsive reading printed in your worship folder and on the screen. God, if anything makes us rich, it is our friends. We could offer a litany of names of those who call we call friend in the truest sense of the word. People who let us be fully ourselves with them. We feel relaxed comfortable at home.
Today, God, we bring our friends to you in prayer, younger friends who call us to life and wonder, who open the place in our souls that we closed long ago. Friends of our own generation who share common memories. God, hear our prayers for our friends who are risking what is safe and familiar. We offer the security of our care for our friends facing times so difficult. They wonder if they will ever breathe again. We offer our hearts beating as one with theirs for our friends who are separated from us. By the distance of geography or spirit, we offer the vulnerability of our love. God, in Jesus Christ, you showed us the ultimate model of friendship. By your grace, we pass your gift on to others. Amen. Let us pray together. O God, maker of all that is good, we rejoice in your goodness. Shine the light of your presence upon us today so that we may walk in fellowship with one another. We pray that the peace of your presence will unite us as we worship and bring praises to your holy name. And may your great love fill us to overflowing so that we may share that love with one another and with a world who is so desperately searching for something good and for someone to love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning. It's good to be in God's house with God's people, sharing in fellowship and with love with one another. And we welcome you today. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here. And we'd like to uh, extend that welcome to you and, and say to you that uh, we hope that you're, you will be very much a part of our family together as we worship. Also, we'd like to, our first-time guests to stop by our hospitality table in the foyer before you leave. We have a little gift that we would like to give you this morning. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on the end of each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to take that and pass it down the row so we can have a record of your attendance with us. And if you would uh, just fill it out, give us as much information as you feel like uh, giving to us, we would appreciate that. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out each Thursday, uh, please be sure to put your email address on there and we'll get you on the list for that. It's a great way to keep up with the 
opportunities of worship and fellowship and ministry uh, that we have here at Community Baptist Church. It is good to share this time together. Uh, it's good to be with God's people. It always is. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful thing to uh, share time of fellowship and love together. And, uh, and that's kind of the theme of today. Uh, you'll see that the topic of the sermon today is they'll know that we are Christians by our love. And, uh, and of course, that's a wonderful song that, was, that Jika played a few moments ago for our prelude. And that's a wonderful theme. And so let me invite you to share that love with one another as we greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let us stand and greet each other in God's name. As we are finding our way back to our seats, children, come on forward for our children's moment. Miss Nicole is up here for our children's moment. So, children, come on forward. Come on, children. Come on up. Can everybody hear me? Come on up. That's all we have. I'm not, not going to bite. Come on up. Hi there. All right. So um, what we're talking about today is uh, we're talking about how, you know, when you love other people like God wants us to love, sometimes like we have a lot more than, well, actually, we in America have a lot more than most people in the world. And when we have a lot, sometimes we need to kind of share it with other people, you know, I mean, like, like when you have toys. Does your mom and dad make you share your toys? Do you? And sometimes when you like share, do you go, oh my gosh, I just don't want to share that. That's mine. Do you say that sometimes? You think, oh, why do I have to share? It's mine. No? Huh? Then you do because they tell you you have to, don't they? You're like, okay, I guess I'll share. But then you like really don't want to. And sometimes that's what the Bible like tells us. God says, he wants us when we have, okay, I don't even know if it's candy. I love candy. I got this whole bag today. It was like $2.64. It was awesome. Look at all this candy. I'm going to gain a lot of weight eating all this candy. Um, so we have all this stuff, and we can share. God says, just share it because you love other people, right? We shouldn't share it because God tells us we should share it. We should share it because we want to. You know? I mean, that's, a good, that's a good lesson, isn't it? Do you guys understand that lesson? Yeah. Are we done? You guys get it? 
We should share our stuff. I don't know. Hold on a second. I got more candy on here. Do you guys like candy? I do too. Look at all this candy. Where's your candy? You don't have any here? Oh, well, when you get home, you can have some. This is mine, though. You guys, you guys like candy? You like this kind of candy? So do I. I'm going to eat one. You guys don't have any with you? Would you like some candy? Like my candy? You want my candy? This is mine, though. Like, I need all this candy. Don't I need all this candy? You think I need it? You, would you need all this candy? No. I probably don't need all of it. Do you want some? You guys want some? So if I listen to God, then that means that if I have all this candy, which, I mean, I really don't need, I don't need the extra weight for sure, then I would share it with you, right? Do you think that I like to listen to God? I do. Would it make you happy if I gave you some of my candy? Would you smile? You would? Okay. I guess I'll give you some of my candy, even though it's mine. And I really don't need it. I don't need all this candy. I already had two pieces. You guys think that if I gave you two pieces, you could do me a favor, though? Because you only need one piece. Maybe if I give you two pieces, you think you could share with somebody out in the congregation? Just go by and give somebody who doesn't have any candy a piece. Can you do that for me? And then we would be doing, like, what God tells us to do. And we would have the heart of Jesus. You think so? You want the rest. Okay, and I'm going to give you an extra one. Can you give this to someone else? Okay, you're going to share? All right, here we go. And here, we'll give you one big one. There you go. I already have one of these. You do? See, you already have one. You could share for sure, couldn't you? You think you could share? All right, we're going to pray before you guys go back so that we can all have the heart of Jesus, okay? And then I even have extra, so I might actually share with people in the congregation, okay? There you go. There you go. Let's, let's say a prayer real quick, okay? You want to give your sister some? There you go. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Can you bow your heads? Put your hands together like this. Okay. Put your hands together like this. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in hopes that you allow us to have your guidance when we are teaching our children to follow you in in, in Jesus' footsteps and have the heart of your son in giving of themselves, of their talents, of the things that they have in order that your word and your message be carried throughout this world, not just here, but in other countries, just anywhere where you are needed and your word is needed, that we may give openly of all that we have so that that everyone is blessed in your name and, and that they feel your love through us, Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for giving us these children and for allowing me to be up here with them, allowing this church to make, make their lives better. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can go back. Remember to share. Okay?
Today's scripture comes from Acts 4, verses 32 to 37. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, the name of Cyprus, or a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We ask that as we meet here to worship, you grant us the wisdom to hear your words, the courage to break from our own path and follow yours, and the strength to follow you for the rest of our days. Amen.
Let us pray, please. Dear God, you who created the universe through whatever way you chose, you who are the awesome power of this universe, and nothing happens without you causing it or allowing it to. You are the supreme power, and hopefully, dear God, you are at work in each one of our lives. You have been so good to each one of us, and we come now to give back just a part of what you so gracefully have given to us. And so, God, we ask that this offering be fragrant, pleasing, and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Josh, they do that to me all the time. It's hard to follow that, but that's up to you. Uh, Joshua Spate is here to bring our message today, and it's been a delight to get to know this young man over the past couple of years. Uh, this is the first time he's been here to, to preach. Uh, he's been here a, a few times before, but this is the first time he's been here to preach. Uh, he is with the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship, of which we're a part of and we are associated with and fellowship with and support. He is the missions coordinator there for the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship and has held that position since April of 2008. His main responsibilities are to coordinate the uh, mission efforts across the state of Kentucky and and has a, a special focus on Mountain Hope, which is a uh, CBF rural poverty initiative in eastern Kentucky. So a lot of his work takes him to eastern Kentucky, uh, and we've been supportive of that in some ways. We've been to NADA and helped the, uh, the ministries there before. Uh, Josh came to Kentucky from Virginia, where he served as the associate pastor of North Riverside Baptist Church and was interim pastor there for a while. Uh, he served on staff at 7th and James Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, while he was finishing his MDiv at Truett Theological Seminary. He worked with Passport for a couple of years, which our children and our youth have been a part of during their, uh, some of their summer trips. And he's a graduate of Georgetown College here in Kentucky and uh, Truett Theological Seminary. He now lives in Louisville with his wife and his two daughters and his dog. So let's welcome Joshua Spate. Good morning. It is good to be with you and to have traveled here this morning from Louisville. I survived the Sherman-Mitten Bridge fiasco that is currently separating our two parts of the state. But it's good to be with you this morning. I appreciate the introduction that uh, Dr. Hobbs has given to me this morning. Uh, I am a part of the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship, which you are a part of, and I serve uh, as your associate coordinator for missions. Uh, You may not even know you had one, but I serve as yours, uh, helping to uh, network our churches, our Baptist churches across the state to do a better job of being connected missionally and engaged with one another uh, and to do this thing that we love with one another, uh, representing the great commission of Jesus Christ to love God and to love our neighbor. And so we do that through the lens of missions is what I focus on and trying to do that with each other. Uh, here in this part of the state, in eastern Kentucky, and even as far off as in Morocco, where we have a global partnership uh, with many of our churches. And so uh, you may have heard about things like Extreme Build or Morocco or NADA or Mountain Hope or Owsley County, McCurry County. All of those things come under the umbrella of Kentucky Baptist Fellowship. And so when you have been partnering with uh, KBF, you've been partnering to help those things. And myself and John Lepper, who serves as coordinator, are grateful for this church's partnership and grateful to be in cooperation with you. So I bring you greetings today, and I'm honored to share this pulpit uh, with you this morning. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. This morning we are going to talk about Community, which is 
appropriate since we're at Community Baptist Church. We're going to talk about what it means to be community and what does that mean for us as Christians and what does it mean when we say Christian community. And while I was preparing for this sermon, I consulted a lot of my friends and colleagues and family and I asked them a simple question, hoping to get back to a variety of responses, which I did. And I asked them very simply, what is so unique, if anything, about Christian community? What is so unique, if anything, about Christian community? And so I want to share with you some of the responses I received from friends and colleagues and family. If we walked the talk, we would change the world. Another person said, well, grace. Christian community at its best, acceptance, forgiveness, grace, mercy, generosity, and at its worst, bigotry, power, seeking, exclusion. Christian community is loving, accepting, it's family. Another person said Christian community is a click. One person said prayer. This person said Christian community is kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. The more people are engaged in the community, the more complete the revelation of God. And this person said the thing that has a bad reflection of Christian community is when people use the words, who am I to judge while they are judging? Though many of these comments I've shared with you are kind and full of hope. I think just like me, you found that the negative ones, the ones that have a negative view of our Christian community, strike us a little differently. And the thing about these negative ones that I found that was common, at least among my group that I researched, was that they came from those who were either neither a part of a church ever to begin with or had been and had left the church. Their negative views had caused them to want to leave this community. So I did a little more researching and I found that what I found is not uncommon. In fact, there was a book put out in 2007 focused on this very question. In 2007, a book was written called Unchristian, What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity. This book was led by the Barna Group, David Kinneman, who leads that group. The Barna Research Group, which has been very instrumental in giving us research into what we do as Christians and what's working and what's not working. And this book is one of those books. And so in this book, like any research, it gives statistical research and extensive interviews over a three year period that they did documenting how an overwhelming percentage of six, those who are 16 to 29 years old view Christians with hostility, resentment and disdain. Now, your first question might be like mine is, well, why did they just focus on 16 to 29 year olds? There's more to us than just that. Well, in 2007, the year that the book came out and when they started the focus, 40 percent of the generation of 16 to 29 year olds, 40 percent of them were outside of Christianity. Almost half of that age group had no church family, no basis to call Christ their Lord and Savior, nothing to really say that a positive word about Christ or Christ's community. So they researched and found broad and deep, not just superficial stereotypes. And they talked to people who are not just critics, but people who had contact with the churches and other Christians. And they were based on real experiences with today's Christians, people like us who worship together and create communities together here in Henderson or folks back in Louisville or in other states, just like we're doing this morning. So I want to share with you just some words that they found that kind of go on 
line with the words I shared from my friends. And they said, according to the study, here are the percentages of people outside the church who think that these words or phrases describe present day Christian Christianity. About half of the people they talked to in that age group, 16 to 29 year olds, they had positive things to say. Half of the people saying things like the Christian community seems genuine and real, contains people you can trust and consistently shows love for other people. So about half the people had that to say about Christian community. Three-fourths of the people, 75%, said Christian community is not accepting of other faiths. That's boring. Too political. Old-fashioned. And then lastly, the overwhelming majority, almost 9 out of 10 people that they talked to, had these two things to say about Christian community. That it's judgmental. And that's hypocritical, says one thing and does another. David Kinnaman says in the book, it would be hard to overestimate how firmly people reject and feel rejected by Christians. One outsider even said this when researched and gave this comment. Most people I meet assume that Christian means very conservative, entrenched in their thinking, anti-choice, angry, violent, illogical, empire builders. They want to convert everyone, and they generally cannot live peacefully with anyone who doesn't believe what they believe. This isn't good news. And we claim to preach good news. But the research suggests we're not getting the good news out. So why do these negative characterizations persist? Are they accurate? Are they fair? Did they just sample the wrong group of people? I don't know. I'm not a statistician, but I'm concerned when I hear these things and concerned when I do my own research and talk to friends and read a book that has the same type of idea that people who are not engaged in the faith community. Think that what we have to offer isn't good. Well, Perhaps we need to go back to the beginning to see maybe this is just in our DNA. Maybe there's just something wrong, inherently wrong with who we are as Christ followers. But I don't think there is. Let's look at how our Christian community began. We heard a little bit of that this morning when we read from Acts. They heard about this emerging community of disciples, these first followers of Christ, some of them who knew Christ intimately, who started to follow and they started to realize we've got to do something more to broaden the news of Christ to other people. In fact, it says in Acts 2:47, we read that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. What's changed then? After Jesus had been executed by the state, these first disciples of Christ were confused and a little filled with doubt after all they witnessed. But yet, even in the face of threats from the surrounding government and the other religious leaders, they became convinced that this Jesus God raised up and of that they were all witnesses We cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. That's written in Acts 2.32 and Acts 4.20. They could not keep quiet. Their witness shocked everyone. They proclaimed boldly with courage. And in fact, we read even just a little bit further on in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 that in Jerusalem, people were so encouraged by what they saw by this small community of believers that they joined in large numbers. 3,000 joined the movement in Acts chapter 2, 5,000 in Acts chapter 4. They were becoming a part of this community. But what was so appealing about their message? 
Well, I think what we've heard this morning when we read Acts chapter 4, 32 through 37, which was read for you just a moment ago, we get a snapshot of perhaps what was going on. Now, I think that this picture that was read out of Acts chapter 4 is simply that, a picture of what was happening at that moment at that time. Many of us have been a part of other congregations where we have historical records and we have pictures that we can think back of of when our church looked like this or when our church had this many people in it or we're doing this many outreach things to the community. And those are pictures. Those are things when things were good. Or maybe there's pictures of things when things were bad, when a building was destroyed or things weren't working. But it's a picture that we're reading in Acts chapter 4 of when this community was known for its love. It's not a complete history. It's not a complete representation. But it gives us maybe a high watermark of what was happening that was working so well for them that people were starting to join them by the thousands, according to Acts. Let's hear it again, thinking through that, that this is a picture of what was working in that first community from Acts chapter 4. Now, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions. But everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, there was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him. And then he, too, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Acts, written by the apostle Luke, gives us a description that is very odd when compared to what we read and heard about David Kinnaman and the research from the book he released in 2007. These two communities are not the same. One community is known for being more negative and more selfish. Another community, the one we read in Acts, is known for being loving and caring and taking care of one another. Love for God and for one another. They followed the example of Jesus. I think that's what we're hearing here in this snapshot is that they had an example in Jesus that was so strong in them that they had to stay with it. I think that we read that, first of all, they broke barriers in Acts chapter 4. We know that there were no social barriers or religious barriers or ethnic barriers that were trying to take away from them. They wanted to be one, one in spirit and one in truth. And that one in spirit subverted all the other social norms. They didn't want wealth or other religion or ethnicity to take away from who they wanted to be before Christ. And the greatest word we get from Luke in Acts is when he writes that great grace was with them all. They had grace for belonging, grace for sharing so that no one was in need, and grace that was in response to the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. What we realize when we look at this picture of this first community is that the world that surrounded this first community in the world of Acts knew that they were Christians not because they had built a congregation, not because they put an ad in the paper, not because they stood on the street corner preaching and handing out tracts. The world knew they were Christians because of their love for one another and their love for their neighbor. I think that's the dramatic difference between what we are reading in Acts versus what we are seeing in the research from books like Unchristian 
and what folks in the 16 and 29 and other ages are saying about us and why they don't want to be a part of something that should be more loving. So what is this about for us today, then? We've already heard that today's sermon title is they will know we are Christians by our love, which we heard played for us. We could hum along with many of us know this beautiful hymn. Why is that the name of this sermon for us today? Well, a little history on that hymn for you. The hymn itself was written in 1968 by then Catholic priest Peter Schultz. And so he wrote this and it came out and it was picked up in the 60s and the 70s as a banner song for what was then the Jesus movement, which many of you are familiar with. I'm not. I was born in 78. I can't say I know it other than what I've wrote about it. But it has beautiful words and beautiful descriptions of what our community of faith looks like when we love God and we love one another. When we seek to be a community that is known for our love, that is known for loving God as much as we love one another. And I think the hymn itself, the words to the hymn, give us a clue as to how we can re-engage ourselves to look like that first community we read about in Acts. The first verse says this to us from the hymn. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. Many of you are familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was that great martyr during Nazi Germany, who refused to abide by their rules and even taught in an underground seminary during the rise of Nazi Germany. He wrote many books, one of which was Life Together, one of my favorites of his, where he writes about the value of Christian community and why it's so needed that we cannot do this on our own. We must be in community together. He says this in the book, Christian community is not an ideal we have to realize, but rather a reality created by God and Christ in which we may participate. Bonhoeffer would remind us that we have the privilege of participating in community together. It's our privilege. We don't have to go about making something. God has already made it. We're just asked to engage in it. For the early community in Acts, the challenge then for them was not the communal sharing, which we read about how they shared property and they gave their wealth to one another. We can get caught up in that and we can have lots of sermons about that. But that's not what I want us to talk about today. The challenge was not the communal sharing of things. We can focus on that and we get caught up on that because we love our things and we don't want to share them. We just saw this morning. We didn't want to share our candy this morning. My daughter doesn't share hers with me. I can tell you about not sharing. This this wasn't a political move by this group. They weren't doing it to, to meet the needs of the Republicans or Democrats or independents of the day. They did this because it was the love that they shared for one another, and it was greater than any politics or government that existed among them. And we even read just a little bit later about a couple named Ananias Ananias and Sapphira who they decided they would keep some of their financial resources for personal gain because everyone, as we read, would bring and lay stuff at the apostles' feet, letting them disperse it out. And they decided they'd keep just a little bit of pocket change. And we read in there on the harshness of this that they died immediately when they were found out. And they died not because they refused to share their communal property, but they died because they were refusing to share their very lives with this community who was trying to share their lives with them. 
I think often our Christian communities too often look like what one woman describes as this. This woman named Denise, who is a devout member of a Christian congregation and an employee of a community agency. She says Christian communities are like this. And with both hands, she forms a series of imaginary clumps. She says we have this clump over here that's, that's our family and our life and our work and everything that we exist for over here in this one big clump. But then on this other side, we have another clump, and this is our church clump, and this is where we come to with our clump on Sundays and Wednesdays and all the things missionally we do. So we have this church clump over here, and we've got this work, family, life clump over here. But the problem is when you have these two clumps, and they're always over on these two sides, they never come together, and they're never molded into the thing that God wants to mold us into being. We just hold the clumps at bay. Hoping and praying somehow by miracle God will take two clumps and make them into one. We live in little bunches that don't much connect. The clumps only come together in our yearning, she says. I think a community like Kentucky Baptist Fellowship, which this group is a part of, helps to bring together these clumps that we want to keep separate. One way we've been doing that is through Extreme Build, which is our annual project in McCurry County where we build an affordable home for a family. We've done this six times now, working on our seventh, working with an impoverished family who cannot afford to move into a home on their own, to purchase a home on their own without assistance. And so we come together with community agencies and 25 other churches and about 100 volunteers to build a home for them, which they are then able to afford and purchase based on their income levels. This allows us to get out of our individual communities and come together as a larger community of Christ, serving the needs of others and sharing what love looks like when we meet the needs of others, meet the needs of neighbors and show them that we care about them, even though we may not live right next door to them. God makes into new creations all of our clumps when we let go of them. The second verse of the hymn States, we will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. I think walking with each other always implies staying beside one another. When you walk with someone, that means you're walking next to one another. When we walk with each other as a Christian community, that means we walk with each other through the good stuff and the bad stuff, the happy and the sad. And we hold each other close, especially when we want to push others away. I'm sure that there are many ways here at Community Baptist that you reach out to one another more than just when you gather here on Sundays and Wednesdays, that you pray for one another, you share concerns for one another, you go to the hospital to visit one another. When you know that someone's dying, you get to the family and you're there by the bedside or the hospital bed or there in the home supporting one another. We celebrate weddings, we celebrate graduations, we celebrate all these high water marks that we have in our life, that even though... We have all these high water marks, though. We do realize that there are times that we need to shoulder the burdens of life together. And so even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, just like the Lord, our shepherd, we work as a community to be here for one another. And it's here in our weakness when we walk hand in hand, as this verse suggests, that we bear the mark of Christ's love. I think Christian community is something that we need to remember is supporting Christian community sustains us, and Christian community breathes life into death. It frees us, even in the midst of our loss and our grief, to meet Christ's hope in the world. When we walk with one another, we free ourselves to know the love of Christ and to be known by Christ's love. 
Another partnership that Kentucky Baptist Fellowship has is with our friends in Morocco. We are in Morocco because we have a friend who used to live here in Owensboro, Karen Thomas Smith, whose father is still on staff at Third Baptist. And she's lived there for almost 15 years now. And that's our mutual connection that drew us to Morocco and her work there with the Protestant churches in that area. And we work with quite a few college students, many of them from all parts of Africa, different countries coming there to study. And so they live there. Many of them have left their homes and left the challenges that they're facing in their own country to come and study and to make their lives better, not just for themselves, but for their family and their home, hoping that education is the key for them, as many of our own kids have that same dream, that education is the key. So we work with the churches who work with these students, helping them, often helping them through financial support of scholarship, because there's no tuition support within the Moroccan education system. So we help them through that. That's supporting. That's where the Christian community comes and supports one another. Our Christian community through Morocco and through our partnership with the Protestant church there, we sustain them. There's quite a few immigrants and migrants who have traveled to Morocco, who are trying to find a better life for themselves, who have traveled across the desert to live in Morocco, not by choice, but because that's the only place they could end up living there illegally without the ability to find a work, a place to live, any of the things that we take for granted. And so the church works to give them training, training for basic jobs, training of migrants. So we help to sustain them. And then we also breathe life into death in some of the worst situations I've seen. But we've met those who have traveled there who are dying, who have lost family members along the way, those who have been beaten in their own home country because of war, because of violence, because of politics. And they come there and they live in Morocco, hoping that they can just end their life with a little bit of hope and a little bit of dignity. And the church helps to provide some of that breathing life into death that surrounds them. This is what Christian community looks like, even when the community is on the other side of the ocean. We walk together hand in hand, sharing our love for one another and our love for God. The last verse of the hymn has this to say to us. All praise to the Father from whom all things come and all praise to Christ Jesus, his only son, and all praise to the spirit who makes us all one. The final verse would remind us that we will the world will know we are Christians by our love because we remember the one who loves us and the one who knows us. I think one of the most significant ways that we remember Jesus Christ who loves us is at this very table set before us, this table which we will join together as a community to share the cup and to share the bread of Christ Jesus Christ gave us a very simple way to remember who he is by giving us a simple meal, a meal of bread and drink to say to one another, this is what love looks like. This is how I loved you. This is how I expect you to love one another. When we gather at this table, as we will in a few moments, we're embodying the love of Christ for one another. Remembering that Christ broke his very body. Christ bled out his own blood for us. And expects us to have that same amount of love for each other. That that's the community that Christ came to build for us. One of my favorite authors is Frederick Buechner. And he is a 
wonderful writer. He does wonderful things with words. And he has this to say in this book called Beyond Words about the Lord's Supper, about communion. And I want to share them with you this morning. Allow me to read his words to you. The Lord's Supper is also called Holy Communion because when feeding at this implausible table, Christians believe that they are communing with the Holy One himself, his spirit enlivening their spirits. They are also, of course, communing with each other. To eat any meal together is to meet at the level of our most basic need. It is hard to preserve your dignity with butter on your chin or to keep your distance when asking for the tomato ketchup. To eat this particular meal together is to meet at the level of our most basic humanness, which involves our need not just for food, but for each other. I need you to help fill my emptiness just as you need me to help fill yours. As for the emptiness that's still left over, well, we're in it together or it in us. Maybe it's most of what makes us human and makes us brothers and sisters. The next time you walk down the street, take a good look at every face you pass and in your mind say, Christ died for thee. That girl, that slob, that phony, that crook, that saint, that fool, Christ died for thee. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for thee. As we move forward into our time when we will take part in this, will we allow love to be the distinguishing mark of our community? The love of Christ as it was for this community in Acts 4. Will it unite us? And as we take the bread and drink from the cup of Christ, will we remember that Christ died for thee? May we be as Christ's followers, those who are known by our love. Amen. Thank you, Josh. We have come to that part of our service where we will observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And the supper table is open for all. Everyone is invited to come and to share in this time as we commune with one another and as we commune with God. We uh, have the bread and the cup here. And what we would like to ask if we can begin at the back and come down the center aisle to receive the bread as a piece of bread. You'll take that piece of bread and then move to the side and dip the piece of bread into the cup, representing the blood and the body of Christ. Uh, If there are those here who find it difficult to get up and to come down the aisle, then uh, we have some servers who will uh, bring the bread and and the cup to you and will serve you at your place. But all are welcome and all are encouraged to be a part of that because of this, because we are all the body of Christ. We are together. We are community, community Baptist church. 
I think that says a lot. We are a community of saints. And we are a community of sinners. Because that's who we all are. We are a community of people who have been forgiven by God. Because of what Christ has done. And in this community, we commune. And we observe communion. The word has the same roots. And that root is common. We have something in common. The Greek word that is translated, that we translate as fellowship, is koinonia, which means common. And what we have in common is that we are all sinners and we are all saints because Christ has forgiven us. And Christ has shown his love to us in a very great way. And here it is. The body and the blood. He gave his life for us. And so we ask for us to commune together and to commune with Christ in recognition of what God has done for us. And we also recognize that this is love. What Jesus did on the cross is a great demonstration of God's love. But here's what Jesus said. He said, I want you to love one another as I've loved you. We invite you to come and to take the Lord's Supper and to celebrate and to recognize just what Christ has done. Doing that and saying that, he was saying, I'm doing something new for you today. I'm showing to you the direction that my life is taking. And that I'm loving you so much that I would die for you. He said, take and eat this. Take and drink this. Because inasmuch as you do this, you remember the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we do today. We remember 
the Lord's death. We commune with God. We commune with one another. Because they will know that we are Christians by our love. We invite you to come. Take the bread. Take the cup. Celebrate the love of God. And commune with one another and with God. Would you come?
Spirit is in this place. And we have communed with the Spirit of God. What a wonderful privilege that is to recognize what God has done in our lives. And as we have communed with God, as we have communed with one another, we're not just communing here with Community Baptist Church, though we are doing that. We are communing with Christians all across the world. We're communing with Christians in Louisville, in eastern Kentucky, across town, in Morocco, all over the world. Because we are all one in the Spirit of God. We may not always act that way. We're sinners and we mess up from time to time. But we are one in the Spirit of God. And because of that, God has done remarkable things for us. We're going to sing a hymn right now. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And as we sing this hymn, we're giving you the opportunity to make a response to the work of God in your life, to the work of God's Spirit in your life. If this is something that's strange to you and you've never made that commitment to Christ, we invite you to do that today. To say yes to this one who has called us to be as one and to love one another as he has loved us. He's there for you. And he would like to have that relationship with you. And so if you've never made that commitment to Christ, we invite you to do that as we sing. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to unite with our church this morning. We're not perfect, but we are a church that loves God, and we love one another, and we seek to to do God's work in this this community, and I think we're well-named. We're a community Baptist church. If God's dealing in your heart in some other way and you need a time of prayer, we invite you to come and we'll pray together. We invite you to come as we sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Would you come? Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life of abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for His wonderful I'd like to call to your attention this morning. Uh, first of all, we, uh, we want to uh, remind you of our Thanksgiving celebration that's coming up next Sunday. Next Sunday. It'll be a wonderful time, and I hope that you'll uh, make, make sure to be here. 
uh, things are going to be a lot different. We're not going to have the chairs set up like this. We're going to have the tables set up, and we're going to celebrate and worship together around the tables as we thank God for what God has given to us. And this will be the culmination of our capital campaign. We've been collecting money uh, to, uh, um, to, to raise. We're in the process of refinancing our building, and we're trying to bring that debt down as low as we possibly can. And, and this will be the culmination of that. And at the end of the service, our, our invitation will be for you to uh, make an offering of thanksgiving uh, for our building and for our capital campaign. And then you won't hear anything else from me about that for, for a long while. I know we've been talking a lot about money lately, but, uh, uh, but after next week, I'm going to keep my mouth shut for a little bit. I, I thought I'd get an amen for that. <laughs> <laughs> Along with that, though, uh, next Sunday is another, we have another exciting event happening uh, and that is Kate Campbell will be here in concert on Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock. Kate is a wonderful singer and a wonderful songwriter. Uh, she is, we are lucky to get her. We are very blessed to get her. Uh, Jika ran into somebody at the Episcopal Church this week and saw the ad in the paper and said, How in the world did you get Kate Campbell to come up here? Uh, she is well known and, and uh, well respected, and those people who know her are traveling uh, to come and, and see her. Um, we, we got a call last week uh, from a group that said that they wanted to reserve some tickets. They, wanted, they said that we want 30 tickets. They reserved 30 tickets and said, We may call you back and reserve some more. So uh, if you want some tickets, there are some available at the, uh, at the uh, hospitality table. We're almost out of tickets, but don't worry. We're going to print some more. So if we run out this morning, we're going to print some more. But go ahead and pick up your tickets on your way out if you don't have them already. Also, our Harvest Challenge, uh, we are in the midst of that. We're beginning that actually today uh, with the men against the women uh, collecting food for the Henderson Christian Outreach. And today we were supposed to be collecting breakfast food, cereal, uh, uh, breakfast cereals, um, um, breakfast bars, uh, Pop-Tarts and things like that. And uh, there's the stack over there. Uh, the total is women have 101 products over there and the men have 21. Guys. Now, I know we won this challenge last year. The men, uh, look, oh. <laughs> uh, that's smart aleck kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know the men won this challenge last year, uh, uh, but we're getting off to a little slow start, guys. Uh, let's don't roll over on this. Uh, this we, we'll, we'll pick it up. And uh, and next week um, we are supposed to bring peanut butter and toothpaste. I didn't make this up. Peanut butter and toothpaste. <laughs> OK, peanut butter and toothpaste for next week. Uh, that'll be our challenge. And men, let's get on the stick because we're we're way behind at this point. So we really need to pick it up. And the, uh, the winner will be blessed with a. Um, a meal on Valentine's Day or around Valentine's Day uh, provided by the losers. So um, we look forward to that. 
There will be a, a Sunday school meeting this afternoon that did not get in the worship folder. Uh, that'll be at four, four o'clock. And let me remind you also that on November the 22nd, we are hosting the uh, community Thanksgiving service here. That's the Tuesday before uh, Thanksgiving, and that will be here at Community Baptist Church. Okay. Uh, yes, the, our, our senior group is going to uh, Chapel Hill on Tuesday at 11 o'clock. We normally meet at noon here, but uh, we'll be meeting at 11 o'clock and going there at 11 o'clock. Let us bow for our benediction. Let us go from here in the grand knowledge that because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. Let us go with the gladness in our hearts because... We have tasted the love of God today. And may we go in the spirit of God who goes with us that we may freely share the love of God that we have so freely and abundantly received. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.